Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. It's Bruce Lindquist with his wonderful Counselor podcast. This is a mini-series that started two weeks ago with episode 13, titled What's Wrong with Being Right? Today we have episode 14, and it's called The Choice. If you haven't listened to episode 13, I encourage you to do so. There is this adage that the devil made me do it, but how much power does the devil actually have? In this episode, you'll meet several people, and like them, you'll be given a choice. If you don't choose, you've already decided. Now, if you close your eyes and use that wonderful imagination of yours, you've just landed at Ted Stevens Airport. Winter has been holding spring by the throat. It was April already, and the death match of the seasons continued. Most of the snow had melted several times over, but winter would not let go. Black ice covered the roads, just waiting to take someone to an icy grave. William woke with images of burning children screaming in his head, and it hit him like a freight train. He murdered them. He lied to the police. He threw away ten years of sobriety. Thoughts of suicide swirled in his brain like what was left on the snow blowing off the tarmac. John Nedge Williams, out of his alcohol-induced suicide haze, blurry-eyed slowly, the features of a face came to focus. He heard as if someone was in his head saying, if you don't confess, it didn't happen. He half-believed the voice, and then that strange, not-quite-peace settled in his heart. John helped him out of the airplane to get their luggage, and stopped at the airport Starbucks and ordered coffee. He gave a cup to William. It smelled bitter. Just drink it, said John. You'll feel better. And strangely enough, he did. William still was in no shape to face what Alaskans call early morning traffic. As compared to any major city, there was hardly would be a car on the road. Urban areas, though, did not have these huge lurking monsters And if the roles were reversed, if your car hit one, you would end up in a trophy on a moose's wall. John offered to drive and headed down towards the part of the town that the local homeless regulars would start to line up to face oncoming traffic. John stopped at the light. Chris, who had been on that corner so long, he considered it his corner, showed John his sign. And with window rolled down, John placed a $50 bill in his hand. Chris was so surprised. He said, God bless you, at least 10 times. But he was a professing atheist. John just smiled and drove away. God bless, he laughed at the irony of those words. Chris shut down the shop and headed for the local brown jug and soon was in his spot under the trees and brush, hidden from the world, just him and a gallon of R&R whiskey. He didn't know how long he'd been drinking. Time for him was lost in the bottle. All he knew was it was now empty, and he wasn't drunk enough. He's been drinking the last 25 years. He could drink anyone under the table, and prided himself on his version of tolerance. But it did have its drawback. He could he couldn't get plowed. He used to drink because it made him feel good, like a lover lost in passion. Then it was just 
so he would feel something. Now it's better just to not remember. Escape the world and be numb. He felt no more pain in his body. His heart, nothing but emptiness he poured the alcohol into. And as far as he was concerned, if he had a soul, it died a long time ago, and the rest of him was just waiting to catch up. In every life, even in the walking dead, there is someone, and that was Dave, coming down the path. He was the closest thing to a friend, even if it was all just about the bottle they had in common. He had his own and sat next to Chris. He wasn't quite dead yet, but his spirit was about to take the train to the coast. Chris went and bought two-fifths and gave another one to Dave. He couldn't tell if it was morning now or nighttime, or how long he'd been gone. All he knew was, it was light, and now it's getting dark again. Dave asked Chris, you know what day it is? Chris had no idea. Dave said, I'll give you a hint. It was the big shaker, you know. You could surf from Seward to Portage. And then many years later, that old drunk captain hit Bly Reef, and all that black gold suffocated the sound. Chris knew it was now Good Friday, although nothing ever happened good on that day. Chris got restless. Maybe it was his butt that was saying he didn't want to be frostbit, but he started to head west. He had no idea where the hell he was going. He just needed to be moving, and Dave tagged along with him. Joe and Sandy had just got into a fender bender. They slid on the ice. No one was hurt, but their car wasn't drivable. So now they were headed home after picking up this cheap car from the local rental. It was about 5 p.m. It was dusk, ice fog settling over the city. The road to the hill headed downtown was empty, silent as a grave. Joe had one prayer in mind. Do not wreck this car. The only light on the road was a poor excuse for their headlights, and the dark seemed to mock them from trying to see. And light posts randomly placed to the side of the road didn't give much light either. At first, Joe thought it was an animal that came out of the dark. But then he noticed closer. It was a man. And he stumbled out of the brush and froze like a deer in his headlights. Joe tapped the brakes just enough to break the hypnotic state and watched in horror as the man stumbled into the next lane. And a car seemingly came out of nowhere, flying through the night, and hit the man. Time for Joe stood still. It was like watching a crash test dummy slowly buckle on the hood of a car and then fly off into the blackness of the night. Neither car stopped, one for fear of having an accident, and the other driver just didn't care. Speed bump. Dave just stared in shock. He couldn't believe what his eyes told him happened. Whatever he'd been drinking evaporated. He was cold stone sober. Dave crossed the road and began searching for the body. He couldn't find it. It was as if it was still flying in the night air and didn't land. Dave kept searching the night, but he could not find the body of his friend Chris. Dave sat on the cold ground. He was shaking, not because he was freezing, but that death had taken what was left of any warmness from his soul. He waited for the next car to come. Chris had shown him the way home, and he was going to join his friend tonight. 
This feeling of sense came over him. He was to go east, back across the highway now. So he closed his eyes, walked out slowly in the road, asking the universe to take him back to the black hole. But he crossed without a car being on the road. He kept walking east. He didn't know why. He wrapped around the trails that only the homeless know, passing the stores and houses on their secret highway. No one even knew they were there unless they wanted them to. He came out of the brush and trees and saw a cross and said to, in his heart, I would not ever go in that building. It would fall on me. Besides, there's a bunch of hypocrites. He'd seen his share of religious folks. He'd rather take his chance in an alley with a stranger than go into a church. He continued walking, now out more in the open. He passed that large church and headed towards a parking lot and what looked like a school. What the hell is he headed to school, he thought. Still he kept walking and noticed the lights were on. I'll probably get arrested for trespassing, he thought. But he went in and he heard a voice. He peered in and there was a small crowd of people sitting on folding chairs and this guy in a flannel shirt talking to him. He was curious. He walked this far. He might as well see what this is all about. He hid by the door, just listening, not taking a chance and being spotted. He had a hard time making out what was being said, and then he heard these words. God gave his life so you could live. Dave was in shock, shocked to the core. God gave his life so he could live? He left the building and headed out to his camp. What was left of the bottle was still in his jacket. He couldn't get those words out of his head. He closed his eyes and saw his friend again flying into the night. Chris was dead, but so was God, and he died for him. He looked up at the night sky. You died for me! But why? What have I ever done? I'm just a damn drunk. I gave you up on you a long time ago. Why didn't you give up on me? His words hung in the air. He didn't have anything left. He was bankrupt soul. All he had was his bottle. Dave lifted his bottle into the air, and he said to the heavens, It's all I have. Take it. It's yours. Dave brought the bottle down to his mouth, expecting to drink it all down. After all, he just heard silence. The alcohol barely touched his lips, and it tasted so repulsive, he tossed the bottle into the brush. He knew God showed up, and he would not ever drink again. God died for him that he might live. And that night, Dave chose life. He knew the gospel story. He heard it when he was a kid. Jesus died and rose again. It was like his old Sunday school teacher came into his head. Will you in faith trust Jesus to forgive your sins? Die with him and be raised to life spiritually. Dave prayed. And in that moment, his life changed for eternity. The pastor of the church Dave stumbled upon had no idea his, this simple act of obedience 
holding a Good Friday service for a small congregation God would use to bring a man to faith and save his life. He was praying that God would fill the seats. He had no idea what God did. The next morning, John was at the local coffee shop, perusing the paper, expecting to read about two deaths that his $50 had bought him. He only found one. It was Chris, found by a man, walking off the side of the road. His mangled body was hanging in winter, stripped bare naked trees. John immediately knew Dave had gotten away. He had played this version of the Passion Play a hundred times over. (laughs) Through the ages, people giving their lives to something, to someone that could not return the favor. He was so patient. He waited all those years. He watched them grow up, their parents' hopes and dreams they carried with them, the blessings and the curses. Each had succeeded in their respected field, held wives and children and businesses, well-respected reputations, until they crossed the line with their drinking. And then slowly over their years, their lives contracted, no longer able to hold their self-respect. And then trouble in paradise. Oh, how many times had he heard that one? No longer able to hold their children. And finally, after their divorce papers were signed, they lost their businesses and the only thing they could hold on to was the bottle, and it was actually holding them. John loved free will when it was in his favor, and most of the time it was. He played it over and over in his head, every moment of Chris's death. It was beautiful, a masterpiece, keeping his soul on Good Friday. He'd have to settle for that. But it gave him little comfort. Why not Dave as well? It was then when John decided it's time to meet the counselor. Chris and Dave were given a choice. Chris delighting Lucifer forever as his spirit is being crushed slowly to death for eternity, flying into the night, hitting the car again. Dave chose life. Now I realize not everyone who gives their life to Christ that has an addiction has the experience Dave did. For some, their journey of faith is back and forth relapsing to recovery many times. Others, they don't drink again, yet the results are the same. They now belong to God. I want to leave you with a scripture to consider. It's, my favorite, it's in my favorite book of the Bible, Romans 5, 7, and 8. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us, and we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when Chris and Dave were at their height of their goodness. Christ died in the depths of their worst sin. That's when he gave his life for them, and for you. You see, Lucifer already owns their soul and yours. He isn't trying to take it away from you. He's trying to keep you from giving your life to Christ who paid the ransom for your eternal life. Jesus gave his life that you might live. The choice is yours. Christ came that you would live. Amen. Join me in episode 15 in two weeks when John Elton, a.k.a. Lucifer, meets the counselor. Mm-hmm.